0: My name is Rob Auchincloss, and this is the Holocene Podcast, where we seek knowledge from the most creative, adventurous, and bright among us. These individuals are storytellers, entrepreneurs, athletes, designers, and everything else in between. It is my job as the host to take what they have each learned in their own lives and codify their knowledge so that you can use their lessons in your own life. Today, I am joined by none other than Madison Campbell. Madison is a trailblazer and sexual assault advocate. After going to college to study epidemiology and space populations, Madison has become a well-seasoned entrepreneur. She started a company prior to Lita Health called Iyanu, which is a software development shop based in Lagos, Nigeria. Today, she's working hard to promote the autonomy and self-actualization of sexual assault survivors as CEO of Lita Health by developing and providing resources to help them overcome their difficult trauma. Now, we had a wide-ranging conversation on everything from building startups to talking about our feelings on love to sharing experiences from our own lives that have shaped who we are today. So without spoiling much more, without further ado, here's the conversation between myself and Madison Campbell.
1: Life is either an incredible adventure or it's nothing at all.
0: Madison, thank you for joining me.
1: Uh, thank you for having me. It's been a long uh, time coming. <laughs>
0: yeah, it has uh, a couple exchanges, but I think the, the best things usually are a, a pretty long way coming. So um, the first question I always ask each of my guests when starting is, what is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning?
1: So interestingly enough, I woke up in like middle of the night, but I'm going to call this, it was, I mean, technically morning, early morning. um, And it was like 3am. I woke up today (laughs) as a CEO tends to do for random reasons. And the first thing that I started thinking about was the day that I just had, that the day that I just had felt like a year. So basically every morning I wake up, I think about like literally the day before i go through everything that actually happened and i say to myself i remember saying to myself this morning i was like it's only tuesday holy fucking shit it feels like it's (laughs) been a month since yesterday
0: yeah i I think i personally feel and revibrate off that and and mainly the fact that you know i i've had a pretty long few weeks just working on a few different projects helping a few different people and i and i kind of realized it's like wow you know, I've, it's amazing. I've been here for months, been working, and then you know, I was talking to my mom, and she's like, "Rob, you've been there for twenty days. Like, you you you've been there for twenty days." You know, <laughs> so yeah. I I feel you. But I think I think the question I ask for you is that: Do you think that's how the best things always work, or is, you know, is this something where you know you're look you look back on it and it feels like it, it all the time kind of flew by? If that makes sense. It it
1: kind of flew by, and then I also start to think about like oh you managed to accomplish like xyz you know the day before and most people don't accomplish like all those things you know for months on end so that's kind of like a startup weird thing where it's like oh i closed two hundred thousand dollars worth of investment like you know that can take people months and i just you know that was like my morning yesterday right yeah something like that right congrats on that by the Um, way um and so it's oh thank you he was he was great um and, uh, it's just weird. It's like really weird to, for all those things to happen very, like very, very quickly.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess so to anyone listening, uh, to this podcast that might not be kind of in the world of startups, like I always love asking the similar question this, which is like, how would you describe your role, uh, as a CEO of a startup? Uh, Cause I've been there. I know you're in there, um, to like someone who doesn't know what a startup is like, how would you describe it in layman's terms?
1: Uh disappointing your parents. That's how I would um explain it. I think um I you know, being facetious, but like it's really hard to describe what you do to a layman. Like, hey, I just got like strangers money and I'm gonna try to do this like crazy thing that doesn't exist. And you like I grew up in Pittsburgh, like outside of Pittsburgh, like a very small, like, you know, suburban sprawl um in the middle of Pennsylvania, which it's kind of bumfuck nowhere and like the majority of people from my hometown ended up either pregnant by the age of like 19 or working as you know a manicure of tj maxx right like like a you know a, a typical sales associate type role and so like it would be very difficult to explain what what the fuck is a startup like how do you explain that somebody trusted you with really no experience <laughs> to come up with an idea to massively change a population. I, I like, how do you even explain that to like, you know, the every, everybody in the world, except for like the small pockets of people living in Silicon Valley.
0: Yeah. Or Austin or Miami or New York, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely, I, not Pittsburgh, though. definitely not Pittsburgh. And I think that that's, that's one of the problems with modern society is that startups are so hard to comprehend for most people generically, and I think that's a problem because most people think inside the box, and startups are really kind of saying, like, "Cool, uh, you know, like w- the world is made up by people no smarter than you or I, so let's try start let's let's start disrupting something that needs to change." And most people kind of view that as like, "Oh, why would you do that?" Like, we can just, you know, I think it's like, are you an unreasonable person? Are you someone that is going to listen to what society has told you to do, or are you going to persist in adapting society to what you believe it should be, and therefore are unreasonable, right? I think that's the startup founders are. Yeah. They're just unreasonable people.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm a very unreasonable person and it's not like, you know, anyone taught me to be an entrepreneur or to do like anything that I'm doing today. Um, you know, when I was in school at all, I, I, like, I do ask my parents and I'm like, what, well, did you like see this coming? You know, but I, I wasn't one of those kids that was like, you know, starting companies when I was 14 or like, having my own lemonade stand, like, I would never do that work, like, I would never stand outside and have to do the manual labor, like, it's like, that was not me, so, um, I don't know, I, I was, I was always the type of person that would play, like, simulation games, like, I played, like, roller coaster tycoon, and, like, the Sims, mm. and stuff like yeah. that all day, um, I don't know if that prepared me for, like, running a company, maybe, like, or running it into the ground, you know, as I kind of tended <laughs> to do with my roller coaster tycoon, but, like, I, I didn't have any of this, you know, oh, like we knew from age five you would you would be the CEO of a company. like I had no idea. This is not in my blood at all.
0: Yeah, and I think that honestly makes a better founder in my mind. It's, it's the people that, that understand and have the imagination to imagine what isn't doesn't exist yet, but don't already have this like predisposed notion of of like what things should be. That's why I think like the best the best startup founders, the best CEOs uh, don't have MBAs. You know, like they're just people that kind of figured out as yeah. they go and, and, and learn from necessity versus learning by, like, what they learned at Harvard or Stanford, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I I am dating somebody who has every degree under the book, and he's also a CEO. So he went to Stanford Business School, went to yeah. Oxford to get his degree in economics, McGill economics, and then you have me who's – I'm 25 and a college dropout. Yeah. And we're basically on the same playing field in terms of, like, where we are with our companies and our teams. Like, we're we're basically, I, I feel very similar to him. And so I do look at it and I'm like, you don't need all that stuff. And as much as I love him and I love his background, and I think, you know, what he what he got was very beneficial to him. I I still managed to get to the same place, you know, just from hard work, basically.
0: Yeah, and I think that's, there are many examples in the world of people starting things now or people that have built things in the past that, uh, you know, just just came from, you know, nothing is a strong word, but came from a background where no one really expected them to do what they were going to do, right? Um, and I think that people like your significant other you just mentioned, like, I feel like, especially if they leave the GSB at Stanford, um, they're almost like expected to do this, right? Like, why aren't you do why haven't you yeah. started four companies yet? You know, like, why aren't you syndicating your own fund? Like, you haven't raised a billion dollars yet? Like, what are you even doing, you know? Um, I think it's yeah. toxic in a way, <laughs> right?
1: That is really toxic and it feels that must feel really bad. I, I should I should give him, you know, more empathy over that kind of stuff because <laughs> yeah. you know, when when you do, you know, graduate with two hundred thousand more dollars worth of diet and every single person is, you know, working at their dad's like private equity shop or like taking over, you know, a hundred million dollar fund, you know, at the age of twenty eight, like it must seem really really bad if you don't immediately get up to like that inflection point with your startup because everyone's going to look at you like, who 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 do you think you are, right?
0: Yeah, and, and I think that just proves the point that it's the people that, you know, as we talked about being unreasonable, you know, it's a pretty unreasonable mentality to say, like, I'm going to raise money from strangers to do something that most people believe is either not possible or shouldn't need to exist. Uh, and there's really nothing yeah. more reasonable than that. But like, if you look at all the progress of society of the past couple centuries, Uh, it's all comes from people like that. So, yeah, well, I I guess kind of moving into the next area, which is that, you know, talking about what your startup is, uh, I'm going to phrase the question as such, which is how would you describe the work you do now to your eight-year-old self?
1: Oh God, I hope my eight-year-old self is not having to think about sexual assault. Um, (laughs) um, I I would probably tell her um one day you are going to grow up and make the lives of women a little less horrible. Maybe I would explain it like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. And so kind of expounding off that like how, how do you describe to people that come up to you at like a you know an after work function or uh, you know, some kind of an event, and say like, "What, what, what is the initiative? What, what are you trying to achieve? Like, what, what is your goal?"
1: Yeah, I, I usually lie and say that I'm an accountant, so people don't ask me any questions <laughs> because <laughs> i I get so tired of having to like as a as a company, right? You or as like a startup CEO, you have to pick yourself so much. It's like, "Hi, my name is Madison," and it's, you go into like Shark Tank mode, and you're like this is my deal when you like to do this. And so when I meet people, um, I'm usually lucky to be with my co-founder who will pitch like our startup for us or my significant other who will pitch it because it's so, it's so difficult to talk about. So like in general, like we're a sexual assault company, like we, we create technology and products to help people, um, in the aftermath of sexual assault. And that's many different things, right? It's mental health, It's different types of healthcare, whether that's plan B STD testing, or um, we do rape kit testing as well. And all that stuff takes so long to explain. And then it usually makes people super uncomfy because they're like, oh, like, I don't want to hear about this. Like, you know, this doesn't make me feel good. Whereas if I went to a party and I was like, I'm a new banking startup where you can now like do this and you can now take your MRR into ARR. Oh, sorry. That was, you know, the pitch for pipe, whatever. Like I don't, I don't, I don't don't get to be like that. Not that, not that pipe is boring. I mean, it's, it's great. Oh my God. You know what we need is we need more, more people to be able to have their MRR into ARR to make more white men richer. That's definitely what we need. But like, you know, I go into these conversations and I'm like, hey, I'm like trying to motherfucking change the world. I don't know if you fucking know this, but like basically every woman in your life um, and, and a lot of the men in your life too um, have been sexually assaulted and they never did anything about it. And you've perpetuated the culture that allowed this to happen. Because when we think about the Silicon Valley, tech bro, fintech bro, whatever culture you know, that exists, it's of very wealthy people that have power. And when you look at the problems in sexual assault or sexual harassment, it's always from very wealthy people that have power. So yeah. it's hard. It's, it's a really horrible icebreaker. I tell you that.
0: And, and it's kind of just, just exp- I need to pause and kind of, uh, before I continue this line of questioning, it's, it's why do you personally think it makes so many people uncomfortable? I think it's something that, you know, having had members of my own family, uh, some of my best friends, people I know, even some personal encounters with sexual assault in my, you know, growing up, and I think most people have, as you just said, like, I think it's, it's something that we all kind of share collectively, unfortunately. Uh, and a lot of us have either dealt with either personally or tangentially or adjacently. Um, you know, do, do you think it makes people uncomfortable because it may, I think triggers the wrong word, maybe bring up past events. But do you think I think as a, as a culture in general, we've kind of said, like, oh, we can't talk about that. It's like very hush hush, you know, like, why why do you think that is?
1: I think it is very hush hush and I think that a lot of people are really scared to talk about the times where they did not ask for affirmative consent. And I want to start this conversation and talking about the fact that I myself, and I'm at you know, a CEO of a sexual assault or you know, stopping gender based violence startup, I have not always in my life asked for affirmative consent. So I think what I bring up in a lot of people is this uncomfiness around the fact that a lot of A lot of people in general, women and men, um, have not always asked for affirmative consent and that might have caused harm to other people. And I think getting in conversations with these people that have a lot of power and telling them, like, hey, like, by the way, like, you might have not always asked for consent and that might have not been right. Right. And let's let's think about that. And by the way, I'm not shunning you. I'm not, quote unquote, canceling you. I'm not doing any of that. I don't even believe in like, you know, putting people in jail for any of that stuff. Like I'm talking about, can we understand the culture which has persisted, you know, not only in the tech community, but in every community that has allowed this nature of not asking for affirmative consent to happen. And if we start talking about this culture, then we can fix the culture. And then not every single person that goes to college has to be at risk for for being sexually assaulted during the first couple months. Right. And so that's my biggest thing. That I talk about. And I feel like that's where a lot of people get really uncomfortable because they think about their 18, 19 year old self and they're like, oh, fuck. You know, like, yeah. Huh, um,
0: yeah, it's, it's definitely a heavy subject. So I think you're right. I think it does bring up a lot of, and I think it, and, and, and I kind of want to tendentially talk about a lot of the initiatives that you and your company are doing. And and one of them, one of the things that really stuck out to me uh, in healing from harm, which I'll give you a second to talk about exactly what that is in a second. But one of the lines that I love is that it's a transformative justice support group for those who have caused or experienced harm. And I think the cause part is really powerful because I think a lot of times in the past, you know, position that's like, it's all about the victim um, and we believe survivors, which is very important. But I think it's also important to say that like people in the past may have realized in that moment where you started talking about that, that like they haven't, you know, maybe they did do that. Maybe they feel terrible about that. They just don't know how to go about dealing with those feelings. And maybe they can become such a powerful advocate for talking about this by sharing their own experience, whether they actually did cause someone harm, right?
1: Yeah. And I, so what I like to say and what I like to think about is let's, you know, think about alcohol abuse, right? Right. If you abuse alcohol, if you drink too much, there is multiple different types of therapy, which I can say, you know what, Rob, like you're just drinking too much. We're going to get you in therapy. It's a five-step program or a nine-step program or whatever, you know, AA yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're going we're gonna to give you this community of people that all have done it and we're all healing together and there's accountability and there's a buddy system. And it, there's a name to it, right? Like, it's like, you know what? I've done this. It was not the best for my body. Maybe it wasn't the best for other people, but now I'm going to do something better. And for sexual assault and harassment and, and other things of that, that kind of nature, that doesn't exist. We, it's, we live on a very, like, linear type plane where it's like, oh, you sexually assaulted someone? You are dead to society and you can never go anywhere and, and your life is worthless and you deserve to be in a box. Like that is wrong. For every other type of, you know, thing that you can be you can have problems with, whether it's alcohol or shoplifting or whatever, we give therapy to people, but we oftentimes do not give therapy to those individuals that cause sexual harm or or, or, you know, are not really good with boundaries relating to sexual harassment or some things they might say in the workplace. It's immediately like you're dead, right? Or if, yeah. if, if when it's finally found out, right, when someone finally does something about it, it's, you know, this goes into like the whole canceling. Right. And yeah. I think that that's wrong, because when you look at the majority of data, the majority of people that cause sexual harassment or, or sexual harm or gender based violence have had harm cre- to them as young yes. children. Right. So yeah. they might have had a parent um, or a sibling that sexually assaulted them or harmed them or was abusive to them. And they're perpetuating the cycle of harm so of course the harm is continuing to continuing to persist because we never ended that cycle of harm and what i'm really bothered about and, and kind of really bothered about in the general like you know term of canceling is that we we are destroying these people before they get a chance to actually be good humans and give a lot to the world um, and i think with that being said like yes we do have to have those people say I take accountability for what happened to me because the first thing that we do in transformative justice is we look for people to take accountability and say, you know what? I myself, Madison, did not ask for affirmative consent. That was not right. I feel guilt and shame, and I want to do better. The problem is a lot of times in these, like, sexual assault or harassment cases, you can never get the person to admit that they actually caused the harm. So. A good example of this is in the Weinstein case when he was being convicted and put into jail at his at his sentencing hearing, he said um, to his lawyer, I think it was like, you know, the last words that they they caught on air was, why are they doing this? I didn't do it. And so people asked me, like, do you think the Weinstein victims will ever have like this quote unquote justice? Like was them was Weinstein going to jail justice? And I said, No. Like, they will never have justice until he says, you know what? I have caused harm. Yeah. I'm sorry about what I have done, and I'm going to do better. But because he didn't do this, I still feel like the case is open.
0: Yeah, I think, I think going back to that, you know, whether you want to call it redemption or not, um, you know, redemption is a very powerful thing, right? Um, and I think a lot of people, when they cause harm to other people, they may eventually seek forgiveness. But I think that that's different from redemption, you know? understanding and, and admitting yeah. that you cause harm, I think is probably the most, you know, I mean, look, look what happened with Bill Cosby, you know, him just being released um, from prison. Uh, yeah. and, and, and I think that there were a lot of survivors that, uh, of, of his actions in the past, um, that even, as you're right. Even when they said that he's being, they, like, they're like, how do you feel? You must have a weight lifted off your shoulders. Like, not really. I mean, he still doesn't think he did anything wrong. He still doesn't like, yeah. You know, there's no, there's a lot of cognitive dissonance there with understanding, the actions they did and the actual harm they caused. Um, yeah. And, you know, whether that was cultural at the time, which I think there's, there's been a huge problem in the history of the world with sexual assault and culture, right? Um, yeah. But that's a whole nother topic.
1: The court of public opinion can be really, can be really harsh, right? And yes. it's not that, you know, it's not deserving for people to talk in the court of public opinion. I think it can be very expressive, you know, but. Uh, it can be really tough also, you know, for the individual, a lot of guilt and shame, um, suicidal tendencies start to show up. And so we do have to think about, you know, these people are human. And if we do care about humans, we need to treat them like humans. And they just, you know, got publicly ousted. They're trying to deal with that. The guilt and shame around what they've done, the guilt and shame probably around losing everything that matters to them, job, career, social yeah. life, relationships, et cetera, et cetera. So, You know, part of what we do at Transformative Justice is like we address the person first and we try to we try to listen to them and say, by the way, even though you caused harm, it is valid for you to to feel sad. And people aren't telling these people that it's valid for them to feel sad. Right. Like anybody else who loses their job or loses their relationship or loses this or loses that. Right. They they would feel incredibly sad, maybe dip into a depression. But we tell people that have caused harm of any kind, that you're not allowed to dip into a depression, only the other individual is allowed to dip into a depression. You caused the harm, you have yeah. to deal with it. But, but humans, humans get depressed and humans are humans. And if we care about humans, our goal should be to you know, heal the human first and then really talk about what did they do? Can we take accountability for that and can ensure that they're not you know, doing that um, ever again, right? But that first starts with humanity. And I think where, where a lot of like this cancel call cure tends to like leave out is humanity for these people. These are humans at the end of the day. And, and, you know, assuming that you, you know, don't believe in like bringing back public stonings or whatever, like let's treat them like humans and and let's heal the human first, because if you don't heal the human first, they're broken, a broken person, right? They can't actually think about, you know, the future because they think that there is no future because... For the rest of their life they're going to be viewed as as you know this person who the only thing that they ever did was create harm
2: yeah
0: i i think it's incredible and honestly like i'd never as i said never heard of it until i saw this so um you know if anyone listening to this podcast right now feels like they could benefit from that um i believe the url is healing from harm.co is that right
1: you are absolutely correct
0: perfect um and and like i said you know i think that the the first step in Trying to solve any problem is admitting that there is one in the first place, right? And I think that that's something that you 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 are doing day to day, and I I think it's massively commendable and something that I I definitely want to you know talk to you afterwards about seeing how I can you know help with from my own experiences in the past. Um, But I do want to talk about another initiative that you know is is all over your site, which is um, kind of the I I hate using like saying the word hashtag, but this idea of new normal, Um, this idea of you know, like I I, th- I think do you, I'll just let you present it and explain exactly what it is before I botch it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you you're bringing up things that even I don't on the day to day basis with CEO visit on our, our site. But like new normal, is just a campaign that we're trying to do to really talk about the fact that the world which we were in in 2019 might never come back. Um, And the world of resources being abundant and being able to go to a hospital and receive care, being able to go to a party, being able to go on Tinder dates, being able to do all these normal things are not going to happen, Um, unfortunately. And they might, I I think we thought they were going to happen in the summer, like, you know, oh, like, things are getting better, like, we can go, we can have a party, we can do this. I mean, even I attest to it, right? Like, I, I threw a massive party, which is where I met you with, you know, 200 plus people and almost got shut down because there was too many people. Like that was in the middle of the summer. And now we're like, holy shit. Um, should we have done that? No, yeah. probably a bad idea, like really bad idea. Um, you know, cause there's this Delta variant and, um, you know, a lot of people might be hurt, you know, by, by, by new viruses that come up, you know, because we're not susceptible to it. So what we're really trying to talk about in new normal is talk about, you know, the world, dating world and relationship world, and and just being in life in general is not the same. And so we need to start thinking about what does a new normal mean? And in this new normal, how do we really protect people against gender-based violence? And so, you know, that means meeting them where they're at. That means different types of resources. This doesn't mean corralling everybody into like the resources that we were doing in 2019, we're living in a completely different world the world has flipped you know it is completely different than the world we knew in 2019 we have to start thinking about it we have to start innovating in that way and we can't start assuming that we can go back to anything that we used to be doing
0: yeah and and i think that's 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 really important um, just because things have changed i think some people are still living in this delusion that things will go back to exactly the way they were. And COVID's a, a like a paradigm is overused, especially in the startup world is like a buzzword, but I don't know the way to describe it. Like it's a universal shifting thing that is going to change literally the basis of everything we know. And especially this access to care you said, I think it's gonna be a lot harder for um, people to, to do the beginning with. But I think that brings me to my next thing I really want to talk to you about, which some of the things I was reading in your site, like I'd, I'd heard of before, but I think never actualized like this idea that, you know, if someone is sexually assaulted, it's very hard to get your hands from an early on early evidence kits. And unfortunately, like I dealt with this in college, trying to help. Um, unfortunately, more than a few friends of mine in this case um, just get that kind of evidence kit. And not only acquiring it was hard, but but just getting results seemed impossible. And I saw this figure on your site that there's like a backlog of 200,000 sexual assault examination kits that still have just have not been processed. Um, that, that to me is yeah. crazy. Uh, like, and, and so you guys are trying to shift that whole system, right? You're trying to make it not only easier, but also faster kind of turnaround time, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. So our main, like, our main thing that really hasn't been done before is allowing individuals to, um, get a rape kit inside of their own home. So that's our early evidence kit. So, um, we, we now officially launched like last week. And so now in California, Texas, and Florida, you can go on our website um, and assuming, you know, you're eligible, like we are, we are trying to triage people out that are, you know, really, really need to go to a hospital. Like if you're pregnant, if you were, yeah. you know, strangled, if you were, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But assuming that, you know, you are eligible, you can receive a kit in under two hours um, delivered in partnership with DoorDash um, to your front door, to your dorm, wherever you're living, you can take that kit in, um, to your home. You can complete it in under 15 minutes and then you can ship it back to our partner lab where, um, we have, um, you know, we have the ability to, to get that result back to you in under four weeks. But honestly, we can, we can probably get that down to under a week. And we've been able to expedite testing for a couple of cases in under 48 hours.
0: That's incredible. Um, I was going to commend you and your team for, 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 figuring that out. Cause I think that you're the, probably the first one to do it <laughs> so far. Um, and I also just hear that you, it's, it also includes plan B too, which I think is important, right? It, it's, it's not, yeah. it's not just, it's not just, you know, establishing that there was, you know, having the evidence to ensure that you can prosecute or follow through if, if that's the desired outcome. Um, but, you know, being able to ensure that I guess in this case with plan B that, you know, if someone doesn't want the, um, I, I don't, I don't know the, what the proper terminology to call it would be, but like the, the result of that incident. Right. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm speaking slowly and carefully. Cause I, I, I think that, you know, a lot of this terminology that people just throw around is like, you know, viewing it as kind of a, uh, an action and consequence thing, I think is inappropriate in a lot of ways. And so just like, I think also it's another thing, like talking about as a, as a community and a culture, like, how do we talk about this what is the correct way to, to to present this idea in a way that isn't going to trigger people that isn't going to you know cause harm cuz that's the last thing someone wants to do when they're just trying to understand right is they they just want to most yeah. people just want to understand so and
1: um it's, it's hard it's hard like um like i said it's a very uncomfortable subject and i think a lot of people you know try to like quote unquote not say the wrong thing there's nothing like that you could ever see me or like, you know, maybe, maybe not to a, a typical survivor that just got sexually assaulted. I'm sure there's a lot of wrong things, but like to someone like me or to, you know, our team or to these people that have been like, you know, working on this problem, there is no dumb questions like, like you know, we're, we're here to answer because education is also really important to talking about what we need to do to solve this massive problem.
0: Yes. No, I think the communication, aspect, the culture aspect. I guess you could call it culture, but like that—that that whole idea around it—it it kind of is going to shape this whole narrative, right? Um, and I think that part of the problem with the culture now is that, as you said, like this lack of reporting, um, and just because I think there's there's so many things that that exist, uh, you know, stigmas, blowback. Um, I, I think that also kind of represses it, and also it it, it not only represses people being more likely to respond. But I think also I've experienced a lot of cases where like a lot of people are repeat offenders because they know that there's a strong chance they're not going to get caught or not going to be held yeah. accountable for their actions, which is even worse. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, and that sucks too. And I think one of the thing, um, and I was, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine not too long ago about like, you know, what is the worst thing as a survivor to think about? And the worst thing to think about is the fact that because you did not report or because you didn't move forward with something, somebody else got hurt. I think, you know, humans are generally more empathetic than not. And to yes. think that because I didn't have the strength to to do something, that meant, you know, my fellow sister, my fellow brother, et cetera, et cetera, was hurt by that person who hurt me um, really is a lot to bear, mentally speaking.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's like I said, it's definitely a heavy topic. And it's, it's like turning some wheels in my own head where, like, there are times, in, and even in my cult experience, where I probably could have done more to, to potentially stop things. And so you kind of have to thread that needle and understand that, you know, what, okay, what can I do now? Right. There's no point, no amount of guilt can change the past. Right. So, what can you do moving forward to, to really insight change?
1: No, I completely agree. Um, no, I 100% agree. And it's it's not going to be overnight, too. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that, you know, typical startups like investors want to see, like, how much of an overnight success can you be? How much can you change culture, right? Like like Uber, right? Like, how, how did we go from a culture of it's very dangerous to get in anyone else's car to... I only get in other people's cars, and I only stay in other people's houses, you know, yeah. basically like Airbnb.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, Right. Like, so cultures are incredibly difficult and hard to change. Um, I think, you know, startups, they, you know, they, we think, oh, it'll be like an overnight success, like Uber, it'll just move incredibly quickly. But with big cultural changes like this, whether it's, you know, gender-based violence, or you know, healthcare at large or, you know, let's just say environmental concerns, like getting people to change how they, you know, act in a, in a way to reduce climate change or emissions, right? It's very difficult. It takes a long time and it has to take a really stellar team in order to be able to deal with, you know, the fact that it's, when you create that culture change, oh my God, you know, are the, are the possibilities endless, right? They're 100% endless. But until you get to that inflection point, it's going to be a lot, a lot of hard work.
0: Yeah. But that's, you know, changing anything for the, for the overall good of humanity, I think, takes time, right? Um, if, especially if you're changing things that are so entrenched in a like, like culture, right, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of move, moving forward slightly. So how did you come up with the name of your startup? Like what, what, what kind of prompted that?
1: So Leda is a famous um rape survivor who was raped by Zeus in in Greek mythology. So um, you know, I wanna say that it was like, oh my god, I was I was reading all this Greek mythology and one day I, you know, came up with this. It's like yeah. it's like no, like you, you pick like you pick a bunch of names and you're like, I want a four letter name for our company and you're like okay here's like a bunch of four letter names for companies they have like you know kind of good meaning to it and and then you know I think we looked at like Robin or like like R-O-B-Y-N or like you know I don't I don't know like all these different you know types of names right and we ended up on Lita because like not only did it have like this cultural significance it was also kind of like the mother that was sexually assaulted that understands, you know, the fellow survivor that understands what you went through when nobody else understands. But, you know, to say it was like, Oh my God, we, we, you know, we were diving into the depths of books to figure out what would speak to us. It's like, no, like when you're, you know, you're starting a company, and you do a good amount of work and you're like, ah, the, I think that'll fucking work. You know, like, I think that'll be good. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's four letters and it's, you know, people say it, you know, pretty okay. They're not like, Leda, you know yeah. Leda, Leda or Letta, like, yeah, oh. yeah, Leda whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, so I, I think those are all in consideration, but it just turned out being like a really good name. Um, that was easy to say, that people could remember, and had a a good significance for anybody that had you know done their homework. But if I, I swear to God, if you like go and Google and you look up like Leda and the Swan, it's very graphic images because he was raped by Zeus who was in the shape of a swan. And so you just like look at it on Google and it's just like very in-depth like, you know, photos and like pictures of like a swan basically like eating out Lita. So we didn't, that's why like our logo is not a swan because we didn't want people to like directly go and look it up and be like, oh, that is, that's very graphic.
0: Yeah, as I just typed into Google myself, and I'm regretting doing that. Um, so I, I, I feel like I had to. Yeah, have two Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Sorry. Right? I know pe- people are going to be doing that as we right. do this right now. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, I, th- I think Greek mythology, right, is such a fascinating. I, I had a conversation with my one of my mentors this past week about Greek mythology in general and just how there are so many stories and you know, whether people believe it's true or not, or it's just like a good way of telling a story or a good way of lear- telling a lesson, right? I think that there are so many, you know, powerful motives about culture. And I think almost it's like it's, a, it's like half of it is like what we should be. The other half of it is sadly, like, I almost feel like it was like a, a premonition of what's to come, unfortunately, you know, um, which is even scarier.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, I completely agree.
0: So with with Lita, how how do you find how do you guys define success? Like what what to you success um like in the short term, uh in the long term and and how and how are you so far on that kind of trajectory?
1: Yeah, that's a hard question because how do you how do you track changing culture because like You could be like, oh, you know, by the amount of rape kits that are ordered like, but you don't want to like count that as like change. Like your goal is to eventually like get it down so nobody orders like rape kits or any services because you don't have to because it's not happening. So I think when I first started the company, I used to think, oh, you know, what is cultural change is justice. This is like, you know, this notion of justice. Um, lady justice you know with the the two scales like that is like you know what we should be looking for um and when you think of the word justice you might think about um oh like uh, you know maybe that person goes to prison maybe that you know whatever like hoping for that notion of justice is very difficult and so now we we look at success as healing and that healing can be a multitude of different things. Yes, it could mean justice in the traditional sense of the word, but it could also mean talking to your parents about what had happened, talking to your significant other, being able to have consensual sex again, and liking it, and not thinking that every sex event is rape, which it can sometimes feel for a rape survivor. Like, all these things are healing, and I think what we're trying to optimize is healing, and try to turn sexual assault into a healthcare problem um, instead of a criminal justice problem, because if we think of it as a criminal justice problem, we're giving people exactly a one percent chance of recovery, which even pancreatic cancer, which is one of the worst cancers in the world, has a higher chance of recovery than "quote unquote" you know the conviction rate for sexual assault in America. So I like to think of it as a healthcare problem, and I think when you think of it from a healthcare problem your goal should be looking at all the patients, quote unquote, that you serve and trying to determine their outcome. So determining three months out, six months out, 12 months out, how are they healing? Are they still in therapy? Are they getting into new relationships? You know, what are they doing? Have they taken what they've learned and and actually been able to move forward with something? Like, I think that that's what we view as a moniker for success and not necessarily like how many kids go to the criminal justice system that are then, you know, have a defense lawyer that says, what were you wearing that night? And how much were you drinking and blah, blah, blah. Like that isn't necessarily success. And if we hope for that, it's going to be so long before we can hit any of those metrics versus I think healing, you know, and, and looking at it as a healthcare problem, which has metrics that have been determined by the world as good metrics that you want to do from a, from a healthcare perspective. I think that that's, Really,
0: what we want to look to do. I love that. Um, so I, I think this is a topic that you know you and I could discuss um, for a while. But I, I really do want to kind of transition into talking about more about you um, and your own life and day to day and how you've you know utilized different systems to, to to allow yourself to build something that I think is incredible and I think it's going to really uh, you know have a massive change really in society, but also in, in many people's lives, right? Um, and so kind of just kind of refocusing the lens back on you. Um, you know, is, is there something you believe in that most
1: don't? Um, good question. Um, is there something I believe in that most don't? So I think I believe strongly in, in a sense that most people are good people that have done bad things because they don't know any better i think there's a lot of people that believe bad people on the face of of doing something bad makes them bad and i think for the most part and this might be my catholic upbringing but like i believe in forgiveness and i believe that a lot of people make mistakes simply because they weren't educated or they didn't know um you know what that mistake would cause in in terms of harm and if they only felt or knew the harm that another individual went through that they wouldn't have caused it in the first place. So I think I believe in humanity a lot more and forgiveness a lot more. Um, I've met a lot of, of people in in this world um, that deal with like, you know, whether it's trauma survivors or deal with the criminal justice system, that truly I think have given up on humanity um, 100%. I think, I don't know if they've seen too much or, you know, They've seen enough bad people to think that humanity doesn't exist. But, you know, I've I've met a lot of people that were like, oh, you know what? It's so good for you, Madison, to be able to give forgiveness to the person that caused you harm. But I will tell you in my last 40 years, I, I never will be able to forgive him ever again. Like, you know, nor should he ever have like a good life, et cetera, et cetera. And I just I don't believe that's right. I think, you know, one of the things that my grandmother taught me early on was it takes more effort to hold a grudge than to let it go, and so I think holding a grudge for like forty years would take so much effort. And oh, I think yeah. there's a lot of people that are holding grudges on society for so long
0: and it 's very toxic to their own future growth, right? I think you'd argue that potentially most of your most of like the baggage that people might have baggage is the wrong term, but most of the, the repercussions emotionally and physically and you know, relating to, 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 to any kind of trauma that people have is, is holding on to things for longer than they should. Right. I think a lot of that trauma is then or not trauma, but a lot of the stress they might go through is just self-caused at that point. Right.
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: So kind of tendentially off that, um, you know, as you mentioned, you know, you're a survivor yourself and, and, and getting people back to a place where, you know, they feel comfortable, um, you know, whether it's going on dates or, or you know, potentially getting into a relationship or more than that, um, you know, wh- and going off the question I just asked you and you talking about kind of redemption and forgiveness, what are your personal feelings on love?
1: Good question. Can you elaborate?
0: <laughs> um, I think I, yeah. Sure, and I keep it I keep it open for that reason. Like I, I kinda want you to define like what, what you in, in that question, you know, if you could define what you, you kind of view as love and, and also personally, like I think what what are your feelings on it? I think that's part of it, right? It's like how do you do you view Ugh. it as a as a thing or a a system or a individual or a you know? And you can I, pass if you'd like. um,
1: No, I'm not gonna pass. I'm just gonna I'm I'm trying to be a stoic in this moment and I'm just trying to I'm trying to think um, before immediately talking. So, like love, love is a weird thing. Um, I I think there's this notion that a lot of people have of pure love, right? The love that's in movies that does no harm, that is perfect, that wakes you up in the morning with breakfast and massages your feet and like yeah. you know takes you takes you out on dinner on dates, right? There's pure love. And then I think there's actual love. And I think actual love is a lot different because this notion of pure love, I don't know if pure love exists. I don't know if that perfection exists, but there's this actual love, you know, the love that your parents have for you or the love that siblings have for you or friends have for you or your significant other has for you, which is not perfect, right? In the slightest, like, you know, I, myself and my mother, my mother was going through menopause when she was, um, when, when she was raising me and we did not always get along is, does she love me more than basically anybody else in her world? 100%. Like I'm, I'm the love of her life. I love her as well. But in those moments, was it this pure love, right? Of, you know, the perfect mother and daughter relationship where nothing bad happens. No. And so I think a lot of people maybe look for this pure love, but don't understand what actual love is, which is, is this notion of love that you can love somebody, but that love can come with a lot of different baggage attached to it. And that's also okay. And we give love in different ways. Um, and it's not perfect. And my idea of love is very different than your idea Rob of love, most likely, you know, for you to be in a romantic relationship, you might want different things than what I want for me. I might, you know, if I could have a perfect, you know, romantic love relationship, it would be somebody who, literally like, takes care of all my needs because all I have to do is work. Like all I do is work. And so yeah. I'm not, I'm not the best partner, right. Um, in that way, because I'm constantly working. So, you know, whereas, you know, I might be able to receive love to have somebody who is like waiting on me hand and foot that person not, might not be receiving that pure love from me because they have to do that. Right. And that's not their notion. And finding that match is so difficult. And I think that this is where, um, a lot of trauma happens because I don't, and this goes back to my, like, you know, want in in humanity and and my belief in humanity. I I don't believe that, you know, in a lot of these sexual assault stuff and sexual harassment that there isn't this element of love. Usually it is happening between two people that know each other or between a husband or wife to say that there's no love there is wrong. You know, of course, there's probably some element of love there and how it's perceived and how it's used and how it's, Used to sometimes control other people can be, can be can be used very badly. So, is there this notion of pure love? Does that exist in the world? Maybe for some, I don't know. I haven't met them. But I think what's you know really happening around the world is this actual love, which is love that comes with a lot of baggage. That on an individual basis, you have to determine how are you handling that baggage in order to receive and get closer to that notion of pure love.
0: Yeah, I, I love I love all that and everything you just said. Um, and I think it's, I think you, you, you point to something that's very important, which is that, you know, love is not only subjective by definition, but also like everyone has a different definition of it. So I always, I always kind of, I always you hear it's like, oh well, that you didn't love them. That wasn't love. You know, it's like, well, how do you know? Right. Like everyone's, you know, I was like, have you ever been in love? It's like, I don't know. Maybe. I think, I think it's one of the things that you know when you know, right. But what you define as love is subjective, right. It's like the meaning of life. Like if there was one, yeah. if there is one given, like meaning of life that everyone had to subscribe to in life be really fucking boring. Right. You know, (laughs) like if you're like, yeah. here's your goal, have fun. Like that's a machine, right? Like, like (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's no freedom in there. Right. Versus like, you know, I think, I think something, and I kind of want to go back to talking a lot about this is, is that, you know, we just spoke about sexual assault and culture in America or wealthier privileged countries. Right. And so, yeah, I, I think it's a whole nother ball game in, in different countries um, especially like third world countries right and I think that yeah, you, yeah. You, you start bringing up these issues and they're just as rampant in those societies and it's much harder to tackle and much harder to deal with because um, they're ingrained in their culture and I think that you know we we have this ability in this country to to really kind of raise our voices and and share open thought and and disagree and be able to to build these amazing companies like you're doing now and and try to make systemic change and I think that in some countries around the world right now it's just it's not even remotely possible to even begin um, and and yeah. the, the the point I'm trying to make with this is that you know going back to love it's just like I think that we're all lucky enough in this country most of us that we get to kind of choose our partners or our people that we want to surround ourselves with um, and I think it's important that you keep in mind. that it's like it's 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 a very important who you choose, right?
2: Because yeah. That person that gives you
0: and I, I guess the question for you is like you you mentioned earlier that your significant other, your, your current partner, he's is also a startup founder. Do you think Do you <laughs> think that you would have a success? I mean, I'm not calling your relationship a success or not a success, but I mean, I'll let <laughs> you talk about it. But but do you do you think that there is a certain Like benefit that comes from you guys both being founders, you know. I think think being a founder is something so beautiful, but also just so utterly chaotic, you know. Uh, Do (laughs) do you think there's a benefit? Do you think there's a benefit to that personally, like you two both being the same? We
1: were we were not founders when we met, so you know, I think it'd be very interesting. Like, if I was single or he was single right now, if our dating tendencies would be to like. Cap for other founders. I don't know if I would do that, but we kind of fell into it. And like, we raised both of our companies from this infancy point of view together, which in a way is like, you know, raising a child, right? Your company is your child in this weird way. So, you know, he owns equity in my company because he, he was there at the very beginning and helping me raise the infant of what this company, you know, is now possible of, of doing. So, it's this weird, um, this weird thing. Like, I don't know, like I said, like, I don't know if I was single right now, if my first inclination would to be like, go on tech Twitter and be like, who's fucking single? And, you know, has a company. Um, I think my, I would, I'd probably go after somebody who was like, like in a completely different field. You know, it doesn't, you know, at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about like, explain a startup like to an average layman, I would like want to date somebody who has never heard of a startup before, um, in yeah. a way, you know, kind of fun, um, yeah. And so, so I'm very lucky and he's very understanding and I'm very understanding of everything that we do together. And I can't imagine my life in any other way. Right. Like I, I, I only see what is in front of me and I'm, I'm very happy where I am, but you know, would, would it have worked out? if if i was me now and single and just meeting alex and he he was also raising his company would it have worked out maybe not because like we wouldn't have a lot of time to give each other at the very beginning of our relationship we had a lot of time because i had no idea what the fuck i was going to do with my life and you know he was trying to figure out a lot of things as well and so i think yeah. that was very helpful is that is that we we bonded over that now like i don't I don't know if I could give more than two hours of undivided time to somebody a week.
0: Yeah. That's, that's intense. Uh, how did you two meet? If you don't mind asking.
1: I met on Tinder. Um, but I, I love that like, so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so there's this whole thing about like, um, Oh, like you should wait and, you know, you, you shouldn't meet these people on the skating app and like, you shouldn't immediately go over to their house and like sleep with them. They'll never respect you. And I think that that's like fucking bullshit. It
2: is basically, bullshit. Yeah. Like,
1: every, <laughs> every, every long, every long relationship I've had has been, um, has been like a one night stand that, you know, like turned into not a one night stand. So, um, I think I actually, that I, out of the j- actually j- just
0: pausing you for a second and looking back at my own dating history, yeah. the past five years, I think I'm, in, I'm in like in the exact same group as you. It's like, maybe not, you know, maybe not a one night stand, but they're all like, met him on a dating app, super good chemistry. Either went all the way you didn't, so to speak, to kind of keep it in that phraseology. But then like, if it wasn't yeah. that night, it was the next morning, you know, and then you <laughs> just be yeah. like, you know, you, you actually aren't that bad. Maybe I can actually, you know, tolerate having you in my life for a little bit longer. And then eventually you find yourself being like, Oh, we well, might as well just, start dating.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I, it's, yeah. So, I mean, I went over at like 11 PM. So that was, that was my intentions. Um, which is fine. I think it's fine. I think it's totally fine. I think, you know, we put so much stress on like this perfect love, this perfect relationship that we're supposed to do and there's perfect, about, you know, the society that we're living in. And that goes back to, like, the new normal stuff. Like, dating life is never going to be the same. It is going to be, like, you probably are going to start most relationships online because are you going to be at a bar full of, like, you know, 50 people where you might get sick, like, I mean, I mean, that would be a very specific type of date that you're looking for. Like, oh, yeah. you anti-vax? I'm anti-vax. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. this bar. This is great. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, yeah, Um that could be an interesting thing. But like, for most people, I think we're going to start a lot of our relationships online. And we just have to get used to that. And it's not going to be like a oh, I'm meeting at the library at 11 p.m., you know, and we're both reading Chaucer. And, like, it, nothing happens
0: <laughs> like that these, these, Yeah, and, and I think that there is, you know, to kind of give an own personal story in that, it's like my mother, my parents have been divorced since uh, 2001, about 20 years now. And uh, my mom has been dating around, like, she was on Hinge. She met some guys through work. She met, she did some women for a while that she met through friends. Like, so she kind of just played, played the field, essentially, like, literally. And... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this recent, she recently moved in with a guy she'd been seeing that we all love and they're like, I'm convinced they're going to be together for the rest of their lives. And they met on match.com. Like she just decided to like, you know what, maybe I will pay $200 to get five matches and to see where it goes. Um, and she kind of owns it. She's kind of like, look, I, I, like, I got sick and tired of swiping on random dudes. It's like, I just wanted someone to like do the work for me. And she's like, and she's in data. She's like, she's in data and uh, you know, uh, she, she, she's a badass and I love her. And she runs a lot of companies, but like, she's like, they have a great algorithm and like, I just want to use it. I was like, okay, mom, like go have fun. And yeah, like, lo and behold, the first guy that came up was uh, like her thing. I couldn't, I, it's hard to find two more perfectly matched people, you know? So, um, ironic. Like, I think, I think that technology can help. Right. Um, and I think you make yeah. a good point, right? It's like, we're entering into a, you know, like everyone used to make fun of like Christian, uh, like farmers only or Christian mingle, but th- they have a purpose. Like some people genuinely mm-hmm. want, like, a, like, I, I think you'll see it a lot. Like I've, I've spent a lot of time down in the South, uh, just to like work and travel. Like I was in Memphis for a while. And the amount of times I saw a Tinder or a Bumble or a hinge bio that says something along the lines of like, um, you know, like religion or faith is very important to me. If you don't believe in like Jesus Christ, then it, it will never work out. <laughs> um, and, which, which is fine. Like, I, I don't really believe in having that kind of closed minded of a view on the world, but like to some people it's everything, you know? And I think that, you know, as you'll, yeah. may, maybe unhinged will, will come next and it'll be for anti-vaxxers and you can kind of just have, have fun in that world. But, uh, I don't know. I think it's this, this beautiful thing that we're all, we're all, we're all seeking, maybe we're all seeking love, but I think at the end of the day, like we're a very social species, right? Um, yeah unfortunately gone are the days where you can like I, I mean so i'm in i'm in france right now as i mentioned i'm in paris for the month and uh i i like uh, things are pretty open here they don't have too much going with the delta uh, but also you can't really enter anywhere without being vaccinated so, like if you're going to a gym you're going to a restaurant you're going to a grocery store like it to be vaccinated um yeah and so i was at the gym and the gym is like i don't know 10 people and it usually has like 100 people in it and there's this yeah. girl and on and we we kept like you know when you're working out or you're at a bar or something or a club or whatever and you keep making eye contact eye contact with the same person um <laughs> yeah and at one point you're like okay someone has to say something and so like we were both like happy walking yeah, yeah, out at yeah, the yeah. same time and like I asked her in French I was just like I was like yo he's like do you want to grab a drink and she was like yeah and then I kind of was talking to my friend about it afterwards I was like I don't remember the last time I asked someone out in person uh, like <laughs> I, I, I seriously don't know. I would know.
1: be so scared to do it. I would be so scared. I like rejection would be so fearful. I think like the thing about like Tinder or whatever is like you have a, like a semi idea that they at least want to be talking to you. Like
0: hopefully. Yeah. Oh my <laughs>
1: god, I don't even know. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But like you, maybe you have like a little bit of an idea. Like if I went up to somebody in person and I just had to like assume that i i was like reading the social cues right oh my god it'd be so embarrassing if i got it wrong <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: and, and i think that's the thing Where it's just like i i've i've done this now like twice since i've been here because i just had so much motivation for the first one i did it again um yeah and i, I kind of thought after I was that's like i don't good. know how, i was like i don't know how i'd feel if i actually got rejected though like would it just be like would i just shrug it off or would i like just be demolished for like a day you know um it is, it's ego it's ego at the, end of the day so it's our dating apps right so like you're putting yourself on display you're seeing whether the people are also into what you're displaying you know it's like it's it's like peacocking yeah. it's it's what birds of prey do during mating season you know it's we're just animals right yeah. we're, we're, we're no better um but i think one thing i want to come kind of back to we're talking about everything and, and and love and dating apps is that you know i i think my message to people is that you know if you are someone that is seeking to find someone and you do feel alone like there are so many people out there and they're probably someone right now that would be very into who you are that's also sitting at home alone wishing they were with someone like you you know um yeah yeah. and I think dating apps catalyzes that creation of that um or Instagram I think I think like Instagram is wonderful for for DMing and like and and Twitter I guess in this case but but like yeah I mean there are many times where I think the most success I've had is sometimes like in a really big city like I live in New York most of the time There are so many people on dating apps that like, it's inconceivable that like, oh, you find this girl in Bumble you think is super attractive. Like the odds of that person swiping through the other 10,000 dudes and like happening to match with you and then happening to answer within a certain amount of time frame is like very low. So I always tell people like, if you see someone and they have their Instagram on there and you think that they're like the bee's knees, then just DM them and see what happens. And like, you'd be surprised how often people are like, yeah, okay, sure. Let's see what goes, (laughs) you know? Yeah, I, that was a I mean, fun tangent,
2: but
1: no, 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 you're right. And like, I, I agree. I just, it's so weird. Cause I, I haven't been single in like an incredibly long time to think about like having to do that and run a company seems miserable. Like it it's is. just so much work <laughs> though. It's so much work. Right. Because you're like, I have to plan this and I have to do this and I have to run this company and I have to talk to this person. And it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. As my, as my head of development, you know, looks at me. Cause like, I don't know how familiar you are with what I do, but I, I basically run a studio that helps like help scale and grow startups. And we also launch a couple of our own. So like I'm constantly playing like a C- like a, like a CEO founder role just constantly. And my head of development, yeah. like he asked me this week, he's like, so are we working this week or are you dating this week? Like, let me know like what, what's happening. Cause he <laughs> clearly can't do both. Like they both take the same amount of time. So yeah. Uh, which hurt a little bit, but I was like, you're right. Let's, let's get some work done. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, but you're right. It, it's it is okay,
1: and there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Yeah, I, I never thought there was. Luckily, but uh, I do think that you know it's you know something my mom said to me recently, and this is not to get it make it too personal too quickly, but just like she's like you 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 do this, and, you, and it clearly is a lot of fun. Like I've lived that life, Rob, but but like at, at some point in time, you have to realize like what are you doing this for? Right? It's like this is this is a huge yeah. amount of time you're you're putting into this. Like, is it is it worth it? You know, like, are you getting what yeah. you actually want from it? You know, because most of the time the answer is probably not. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. So kind of, you know, we, we just spent a long time talking about, you know, thank you for sharing. Um, I'm, I'm, it sounds like you and your partner, uh, Alex, you said his name was, uh, have a very, you know, successful relationship what it sounds like, which is great. And I'm, I'm glad that you two support each other. Uh, so you live in Las Vegas, I'm guessing with him, um, as you alluded yeah. to earlier. Um, so question just like, why, why Vegas, right? Because like if you said like SF or Seattle or Miami or Austin or New York or even Boston uh, or even like a San Diego or Salt Lake, I'd be like Denver. I'd be like, cool. But like Las Vegas, like
2: w- w- what brought you there? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I love Nevada. I think it's like really wacky. We're both like Burning Man people. In fact, like I'm, I'm going to Burning Man on Friday. Um, love that. So You'll you see know, my mom renegade there. Renegade so. Burning Man yeah yeah your mom's coming
0: my mom always my mom always goes I don't, I don't know if she's doing this year or not with work but uh she usually goes but no, we, we can talk about that later but yeah continue sorry
1: amazing i love this um this is great um you'll have to see me in the medical tent because we are we're bringing lita kits by the way so that's oh, incredible. one of the reasons we're going um because you can't get anywhere to get a rape kit done you have to like go out of the desert and you know how bad it's going to be it's going to be yes. crazy this year so anyways so um, we're burners. I like the desert. There's no taxes here. The food is really good. Um, rent is incredibly cheap. We live in a four-bedroom, two and a half bathroom house with a pool in like a private gated community for two thousand dollars a month.
0: You know what? Fuck so, you. <laughs> what?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sorry like um, <laughs> like living yeah. in New York. Oh my God, that's uh. <laughs> maybe I should move to Las Vegas or like Wyoming. You know, summer fun.
1: I I mean so i spent um i spent um you know what a long time in new york i was living in new york obviously i was in new york for the majority of the summer you can always go to new york or you can go to san francisco or you can go to france or you can go to london you can go you know wherever yeah. um i just didn't i we were tired and like, you know, we have a dog and he now has a doggy door in a backyard and like those simple things are really good. And That's we so like, we now have space to be away from each other, you know, cause we also need space from each other and yeah. being in like a one bedroom apartment in New York is kind of miserable when you're two startup founders. So um, we're happy here, but it is a little bit boring cause we don't really know anybody um, cause we just moved to this random city knowing absolutely no one. So my job is to try to convince people. And like, I'm like, you should come live out here because no taxes, no capital gains. Rent is incredibly cheap. Weather is incredibly good. You know, lifestyle is really great as well. You can go downtown and party and have a great time if you want, right? Like you can do all of that. Um, And it's just about getting people to come here. Like the population is about the same population as Pittsburgh, where I grew up which yeah. is like a smaller town, right? Like, and, the, the same so that and it has a massive airport, which is here. nice, you know? So, yeah. And a massive airport. So it's easy to get places as well. And they subsidize a lot of the flights in and out because they assume people are going to Vegas to, to gamble. So, yeah. um, there's a lot of pluses to being here. And I think it, you know, trying to figure out like where you're going to have as a home base versus like where you're going to go in and out. Um, I think it's good to know right like and and i know that we're always going to end up in san francisco or la or miami or you know new york or all over europe and we now have a home base where at the end of the day this is still home
0: yeah no and i I, i've been feeling the same way um i've actually been considering i've i know a few people a couple mentors a couple friends in the tech world that have moved to jackson wyoming like where jackson hole is um for a lot of the same reasons they just want like. The same benefits you said about the no taxes and the the weather in that case they like they want skiing in this winter and they want summer to be like this beautiful mountain, yeah. mountain biking hiking, so I think that that's the thing it's like you can always find your find your thing like if you if you're sick of New York and you like the beach, like I have so many friends like i'm sure you do the movie Miami they're like, I just want to be near the beach every day, and yeah. I don't want to pay taxes, and Miami's kind of fun, you know
1: yeah, yeah, I think people do drink a little Miami? bit too much yeah. there but <laughs> Yeah, There's a lot of drinking there and it's also very humid. So I don't, I don't like humidity. Um, like you go outside for like five minutes in Florida and like you are sweating your fucking ass off. That doesn't oh, happen yeah. here in Nevada.
0: Nope. And have you spent much time going to like, so I, whenever I've gone to death Valley or like Alabama Hills or even like gone through mammoth, like I always just find Las Vegas and drive over. Cause the drive is so pretty. Have you spent any time like exploring the natural wonders around there?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's also the beautiful part. I mean, it do- definitely needs to rain here. We're kind of in a drought, so that's, like, problematic. Not kind of, but yeah. <laughs> um, We're, like, 100% in a drought. So other than that problematic stuff, like, you have the Grand Canyon and less than four hours away. You have, like, Mount Zion. You have, like, you can go to Flagstaff, Arizona. You can go to all these national forests. You can go, of course, to Death Valley. You can go up to Utah. Uh, very easily. Like I, I like it here. Um, I mean, ask me in five years if I'm still here, but like, you know, I think, I think the goal is to eventually like buy a house and have this kind of be like my permanent residency, knowing that I'm going to travel around, you know, for months at a time.
0: Yeah. And I feel the same way. It's like, I think someone asked me recently, cause I live, I travel more than six months a year right now. Um, I guess post COVID I should say. Um, and my, I think my dad asked, he's like, are you going to do this forever? And I was like, I mean, I don't really know what else I'd do. And, like, I love the idea of having a home base, but I couldn't imagine, like, not still traveling around and seeing people and working. And, you know, my friends are all over, and I just think that the world has so much to offer. Like, why stay in one place most of your life, you know?
1: Yeah, I completely agree.
0: So so going off that, um, is there, is, is like, where, is there a trip or, like, a destination you traveled to? Could be any time in your life that really just, you know, made you feel like I guess like made you feel alive is kind of a cliche term but you know what I'm trying to say like it just made you feel like grounded yeah, yeah, yeah. And...
1: so I moved I moved to London in like a spur of trying to figure out my life after college um I, I I basically moved there with Alex um he he got like a consulting job out in London I lived in Elephant and Castle and then in Pimlico um and it was a very interesting time it was you know traumatic in a lot of ways because i was going through you know different relationships and getting to know people and getting rid of people and you know a lot of trauma was happening during that time but i i say the one place um that i would move back to like have children or something or like to raise children would be london i love london so much and it's gray and, you know, I understand it's gray and it rains a lot and I don't really care. Like, I can I can always go. I'll go back to Nevada, like, you know, whatever. I, I can have yeah. sun all the time. Yeah, I, yeah. I really want rain. I haven't seen rain in so fucking long where all these people were in New York complaining about the hurricane. And I'm like, I would love like one drop of rain. That would be great. Um, But I love London. I love how like, you know, it's just everyone kind of minds their own business and you don't touch people i don't really like when people touch me i that's like um i don't know if it's a trauma thing or just a i don't like people touching me type of thing people don't touch me in um in in london also paris right like people don't look at me or touch me in paris it's great um i also lived in paris for like a little bit of time um and i do i do love that but like that's kind of what i loved versus like italy where it's like touching all the time and kissing and i yeah. i i also never liked the French like kiss you know on each cheek i never understood it i always like went like straight for the mouth and like it was very embarrassing for me so lemon <laughs> <London laughs> is, <basically, laughs> is basically where i feel comfortable with like that i know that i can't fuck up that much
0: <laughs> yeah we like kind of being slightly rude and standoffish is like the the cultural norm like you're supposed to do it you're supposed to kind of be a yeah. dick at all points in time um yeah. i think that's why i love seattle it's like i i do also love like it was it was a uh, yesterday was this like gray gloomy day and it like rained on and off and i was like this is the perfect day to get work done and just like be productive it just felt so alive you know um so i think i think you and yeah. i are a kindred experience in that regard but some people some people can't stand that some people just want sun every day all the time and that to me is disappointing but uh it's a topic for the other day it but.
1: is it is disappointing
0: so but you you are in Las Vegas which is like a very sunny place so um okay so I I think you know the the last question I want to ask you before I get you out of here and a couple just kind of quick rapid fire questions you know I asked you earlier how you would define success in you know your company but how do you how do you measure and define success for yourself
1: uh (laughs) um how do i define it for myself um how do you define success for yourself
0: i actually i (laughs) I think about this every time someone asks me and you're and you're like one of the you're one of like four people to turn the question back on me and every time like oh fuck like now i had to answer the question but so i think i think for me i i grew up with very supportive parents, uh, and a very wealthy community in Massachusetts. I'm just going to have to give you some background. Um, and yeah. for as much
1: but where where in Massachusetts,
0: a town called Hangham on the South shore.
1: Nice. So my significant other grew up in Jamaica Plains and Brooklyn, oh, like on the border. I love that. Yeah. Texas yeah. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. And, and I went to school out in Amherst, so very familiar.
0: Uh, did you go to UMass or did you go to Amherst?
1: I went UMass and Hampshire College.
0: Oh, I remember Hampshire. Um, I love this little thing. So I, I, the it's, one side it's I will a weird, say, it's a, oh, it's a weird place. <laughs> it's a weird place. It's
1: like a, really but it's a wonderfully weird place. Weird place. A, yeah, for sure. It's a wonderfully weird place. Yeah.
0: Um, just the aside though is like, I'm guessing he's a Patriots fan. I'm guessing you're a Steelers fan. So that must be a fun dynamic in the household
1: uh yes that is 100 percent correct but brady that. is like goat so like yeah I mean, good I, okay like, I, <laughs> i'm a Steelers like, fan I, like I appreciate that
0: yeah <laughs> yeah he is he, I, I think i say that he's lovely as an aside to tom brady's good looks I, I love the picture of him at 21 versus him at 42 and uh it's that caption where it's just like it's not that you're ugly you're just poor uh and i think that like he, he is like a genetically good looking man but i will also say that like uh like skincare goes a long way, I think is my one comment on that. Like skincare and, and like yeah. facials and things like that can go a long way. But, but besides that, how to find success, going back on that, I grew up in a community where I felt like success was binary. You either kind of graduated and went to one of the Ivies uh, or went to a good school and then ended up in like finance or consulting and you end up coming back to uh, Hangem and buying your million dollar house and having your kids that were on the lacrosse yeah. team and soccer teams. And I, I that was what I grew up like, oh, that's what success is. But then as I kind of grew older, I kind of realized that, you know, Success in my, my own mind and my own life is that I just want to work on cool shit with cool people and try to impact the world in as positive as I can. And so success for me, I view as like on a very minute scale. And sometimes like I feel good with one overall thing. But I know for me, it's like if I am constantly doing what I think I have to be doing or what I want to be doing um, in like an altruistic sense, then I think I'm successful. Yeah. Um, and obviously with that, it's like, I'd love to be in a place where I can financially support my whole family and my, my future children, hopefully, and, and be able to give back to the world in ways that the more discrediting things and also in different ways. So I I don't know. It's like, I think it's, it's a hard question to ask. It's definitely a paradox, right? That you only answer that question with more questions. Um, and so the question I usually kind of pose is that someone say like, how, how do you define success? It's like, well, how do you define happiness? Right It's like,, uh. right, so I think cause a lot of people confuse success and happiness, and so you, you look at success from an empirical standpoint of like uh that, but you know I think that's why you know tech startup Twitter can be so toxic because there's like, oh, your seed round is only two hundred k mine was eighteen million on nine hundred and nineteen dollars <laughs> of of I don't know if you saw that tweet that went viral ourSA where it's just like we're raising a thirty million dollar yeah. round of nine hundred and nineteen yeah. or nine hundred ninety thousand no nine hundred nine hundred and nineteen dollars. It's like, okay, I guess it's the world we're yeah. living in now. But I think, I think, I don't know, for me, it's just like, you know, if you're successful, you've achieved the goals you want. And my only goal in life is to really, to just continue finding things that really drive me and, and continue meeting people that kind of make me move forward. And just, so I think, that I guess my definition of success is just living a, a, a beneficial life to myself, which is selfish. But also I think that if, if, you're, if you're constantly content and at peace, and moving forward and iterating and doing things that help you that are helping other people, then I think that, you know, it's, it's hard for you to help other people before you help yourself. Right. Yeah. And so I think that that's what I, I, I answered that personally.
1: No. So, I mean, I, I'm trying to take success in small little like bites, um, because it's very difficult to answer that question. So. I'm, I'm trying to take it in small bites where I think like raising capital was a success as a woman, you know, with a co-founder um, who's also a woman, so, you know, female founded company, like that is a success. And like, you know, getting launching was a success. Right. Um, and then there's all these other things which I could start classifying as success, like, you know, whether or not you're looking at revenue or like for. 30 under 30 or whatever like those could all technically be success but i'm trying to take it in fights where i like i like really wanted to speak at south by southwest and then i really wanted to win you know something at south by southwest and then i did last year and that was like a very small minute thing which in the reality of like everything that happened didn't you know um didn't really matter that much right it was you know more for publicity than anything um yeah. But it was it was something that mattered to me. It was a bite-sized portion of success that I could bite off, that I could look forward to, I could complete, feel a little bit better, and then try to determine what that next thing. So, like by the end of the year, I my goal is to be in thirty under thirty. That's my that's my bite-sized um, success metric for the next yeah. couple months, and I have no idea what the next couple years or the next decade looks like, but I'm, I'm going to take it in bites, basically.
0: I love that. And I guess as an aside, before I jump into the rapid fire questions, uh, like if you could ask anything of the audience to help, not maybe not just help you on, on this path, but also like help push forward this directive, this motion that you're trying to um, achieve with Lita, like what, what would, what would you ask of, of people listening to this?
1: I mean, I think anybody that, you know, cares about this mission is really important to talk to like anybody that has friends that are going to college or understand what's happening in college right now is, is interesting to talk to. I think that that's what I really want to learn. is like, what is happening in this new normal that we're all going back to?
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, okay. So kind of switching gears, uh, these are a couple rapid fire questions you can, um, inspired from, uh, you know, Tim Ferriss I something very similar in his podcast. Um, and I, you can answer these questions in as little or as many words as you'd like, uh, and you're allowed to pass on any questions. Um, but the first one is, and I'm going to add a caveat to this just for you specifically, but, um, if you had a billion dollars that you couldn't spend on yourself, uh, what problem would you try and solve? And I'm going to add the moniker that it it can't be a problem you're already trying to solve right now.
1: I, I know I made it hard. I'm
0: sorry. I would,
1: the, <laughs> I would I would make the DMV better. The DMV fucking sucks.
0: All right, Madison for president 2028. Seriously. Like <laughs>
1: i hate the dmv it sucks so badly everyone does
0: i think i think it's like if you were to if you were to rank like the universally hated things in the world i think dmv would probably be top three um yeah yeah. okay that's perfect it's probably the best results i've ever received for that question um what is a story that your family or parents like to tell about you
1: Okay, Um they like to tell the story about me being in third grade and using algebra instead of using guess and check. And then because I did it in the way that my third grade teacher didn't want me to do it, they marked everything I did wrong and failed me. So my parents actually had to come to the school, the elementary school, in order to support me for doing something out of the box.
2: I
0: love that. What ended up happening? Just out of curiosity.
1: Uh. I think he still failed me, but then now I'm an entrepreneur, so he can go fuck herself.
0: <laughs> well, I think there's a strong trend of like, you know, uh, entrepreneurs failing in things that they're actually doing very well. You know, um, yeah. like I've been yeah. failed by yeah, teachers. I'm, sh- I'm sure in college, like you, uh, you, you got, you know, had a run in with a teacher where it's just like, you got a terrible grade in the class, not because you didn't understand the concepts or because it wasn't, because it was hard. It's because he's like disagreed with the teacher because they thought they were stupid.
1: You yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I, uh,
1: I have a lot of, I have a lot of disagreements when I think people are not worthy of my respect for one reason or another. I certainly, um, let them know.
0: Yeah. Ditto on that one for me. And I think it's a, it's, it's a problem, but also a blessing. So we can, that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> if you could, uh, if you could send a single push notification to everyone's phone in a given area, uh, where would it be? What mm. would it say?
1: The first thing that came to my mind is like saying, we believe you, but I think that would be too ominous. And then people would be like, <laughs> what do you even believe? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm talking about like in, in like, we believe your trauma. We believe that you're a survivor. Sure. We believe what yeah. you say, but um, that'd be too ominous. I think I would want to troll people and like be like, <laughs> there's a UFO like above you go look and then, you know, start like a massive chaotic thing in one area.
0: So you like chaos, which I'm guessing.
1: Yeah, I like chaos.
0: Uh, um, is your birthday in May or June by chance? Out of curiosity.
1: No, it's in October. It's twenty sixth, okay. October twenty sixth.
0: Sure, I'm not. I'm just this is a whole other backstory to that question. It's not like a horoscope question. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it offline. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was,
1: I was, I was waiting for that. It's like, I'm like, no, I'm this isn't a co-star
0: though, like, thing. Exactly yeah, no, 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 like, This no. no. Although as, as an, to an, as an aside to our previous conversations about dating apps, um, I'm going to point this towards men, especially men, uh, or, or, I could go for it anyway, but I think this is especially applicable in this case. Um, it goes two ways. Like if she asks you what time you were born, it's probably not worth it. Um, <laughs> and then and then part two is that I, I've also like shamelessly used CoStar before to like prove to people that, that we should go on a date. Been like, hey, look, it says we're compatible. Ah. Like we might as well do it. And and here's the thing. Sometimes it's very accurate. Sometimes it is disastrous. So, see,
1: <laughs> like it says, I have I have power and love and relationships this week. So, how does Friday work?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I've 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 had a friend use that pickup line before, and it's worked. So, like you know, but the problem yeah, is you have to get good. them get them on CoStar. So I'm just waiting until CoStar releases their own dating app, where it's like they're gonna match up with people based on. Like, oh, you're just looking for sex. That's fine. So we're going to match you on people that like, you might be very compatibly sexually, but like you're, you wouldn't make it through a dinner together, which is like maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. I don't know, but like they should do it. Sounds like fun. I like chaos as well. So, um, and the last question, uh, kind of cliche, but do you have any advice for, uh, whether you want children or not, but your, your grandchildren's generation, like generation, maybe 50 years from now?
1: If we're around. Um, I they're using electric vehicles by then. Or, like, we figured out how to make batteries, not, like, destroy the earth and everything's electric or, like, reusable. I think that would be, like, I I, I think my biggest thing of saying that is, like, you're trying to make the world a better place, not for you, but for your grandchildren. So how do I articulate that to my grandchildren to understand that whatever whatever they do will impact their grandchildren. It's like a, you know, aurora a borealis or whatever that snake, yeah. Snake eating itself.
0: (laughs) I love that. Um, anything else you'd like to add? Uh, this is your time to plug, um, share whatever you want. Floor is yours.
1: Um, uh, follow me on Twitter. If you also like, chaos. I, I create a lot of chaos. Um, I even tweeted while we were you know, talking because I had a really good tweet that came up. Ready for this one? This is pretty good. Oh, Jesus yeah. had only 12 followers. So don't worry about how many people are following you on Twitter. That just came to me while we were talking. So that that's how inspiring you are, Rob.
0: I'm just, I'm just finding it. Yeah. I'm finding it right now. And I'm literally going to quote tweet this um, <laughs> tweeted while recording a podcast. <laughs> You. Um, to be fair though you have you have a uh, hundred times more followers than I do so I think that you just kind of prove my point so right so like I don't think I don't know Twitter Twitter to yeah. me has always been a shitbox right like I've I, I think that it'd be fun to have a lot of followers to troll a lot of people but at same point in time I think it's also useful from a from a st- like startup perspective like I guess it's a question for you how many have you found any of the investors you have now via Twitter like because I've, I've, I have have yeah. Um, I have
1: like tons of them I think Twitter is so helpful
0: yeah I guess maybe it's time for me to uh, we have mutual followers too Um, I guess it's time for uh, time for me to start actually caring Um, but we'll see maybe someday Um, well anyways thank you thank you so much for your time um I, I have a story for you i i i feel like if you're curious I, you deserve the story which i started that i can't share on this podcast uh, i'll give it to you offline if you if you're interested <laughs> or not but um otherwise uh stick around and thanks for so much for coming on and uh this uh this i can't wait for this to get out there
1: amazing thank you
0: um okay thank you so much for that that was really uh appreciative um and i think that went quite well personally um I do love that you tweeted during that that kind of makes it even better. Um <laughs> uh, no, just long story short, I uh I just came
1: up with it. I'm like it had to go out there.
0: No, it's true, but like I you you have a good point. Um so this this combine this story combines so many little things I'll tell it quickly, but uh so there's this girl, American girl in Paris I saw on Bumble, same thing. I was like no way to match, she had her Instagram bio, so I DM'd her I just like, I was like, hey, like, you know, I found you a mumble. There's no way we we're going to match uh, just because like the shimmer volume. Like, do you want to grab dinner? That was essentially what I said. She's like, yeah, of course, let's do it. Go to dinner that night, get along really well. She, uh, and she's ended up being like a spiritual advisor, um, like does like tarot oh, for damn. a living. Um, makes like 40 grand a month doing tarot. Like good for her, right? <laughs> so good for her. Wow. Um, but she obviously has me on co-star. We're literally compatible in like every single thing except basic identity, right? Uh, I'd never seen that before. And so we ended up going out for a few times, but like at one point uh, we ended up like ending a date, like our third date. And like, this is last week that this happened because like, uh, she was kind of getting offended. I was at that. I at one point I asked her if she wanted to split the bill. And I was like, look, we're both people. We both have money. We're both adults here. Right. Um, like clearly you, it's like, don't don't like, I, I think it's kind of strange when you're someone that's just like, uh, you know, you, you claim you, you claim you make forty grand a month, and you have a problem splitting like a hundred euro dinner bill. It's like okay, like whatever, it's fine. <laughs> but but kind of going where I'm saying, it's just like her her reasoning was that because she felt like the conversations we were having were transformative, and we were both helping each other, we were both giving each other feedback and trying to improve and become better people, which I think is how all conversations should be. To her, it felt like work, and therefore she felt like she had to be compensated for that
1: fascinating did she say that to you
0: she said that to me verbatim in person like face to face at at a at a bistro in paris so i i like i'm i'm clearly not a
1: woman or a french woman
0: oh she's american she lives in la she's actually from new hampshire um
1: that's not like a really aggressive thing to say
0: (laughs) oh absolutely but like i I guess my whole thing is just like as as an aside like i just i've never been left speechless before like i i usually have a lot of things to say i feel like you're the same thing but like i was speechless like I was silent. I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to fucking say right now. Like, what, what do you say to that? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. Fuck you. Like, have a nice night. I said the kind of combination of that nicely. I was like, I think it's time for us to move our separate. Yeah.
1: Lines. Are you are you seeing the person anymore? No.
0: No, I didn't. She she went. To, she moved on to Portugal, but uh, I moved on to <laughs> seeing other people. But you know, it's like I think that's that's one thing. It's just like I couldn't imagine living abroad like I am right now without dating apps like it just like it's how I've been social you know like I, I don't have any friends who live in Paris but I've been yeah. social meeting people and people visit me and stuff like that but like you know when I'm not working from sunrise to sunset or working out like I prefer to you know spend the rest of that time like meeting interesting people and if that leads to whatever then yeah great. um otherwise then we'll, we'll thank
1: very interesting people
0: yeah I mean and a lot a lot of people travel a lot of people not just from America but all over Europe and the world. So. Um, but otherwise, yeah. Um, thank you so much for your time. Um, if there's anything I can help you with okay. in terms of, I don't know how I could, but like anything I can do to, to help uh, you and your mission. Um, le- like, yeah. And I'll, I'll be out your way uh, in like the Death Valley area uh, sometime this fall. Nice. So I'll hit you up if you and Alex want to join me for a hike or go explore some of the, the fun, like really remote parts of that region that I've s- spent a lot of time kind of just getting lost out there. Um, I love
1: it. I love it out here. It's absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, it's it's it's, it's quite a place. And I, I, you're not the only person I know that moved to Vegas. I was giving you shit in the podcast, but a couple of people I know have have uh, <laughs> have moved out here that are mainly outdoor people because they just like they can pay no taxes and have this amazing backyard. And if they need to hop on a flight, they can get anywhere pretty quickly, especially on the West Coast. So, um, but otherwise, yeah. Th- thank you so much for your time, and uh, hope you have a good rest of your uh, rest of your day.
1: You too, and have a good night.
0: Thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between myself and Madison Campbell. You can find Madison online on Twitter at Marty R. Dyson. That's at M-A-R-T-Y-R-D-I-S-O-N. And you can find myself, as always, online at Rob Auchincloss on all socials. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day.